0: And I want to talk to you today about, oh, what a Savior. When we talk about Jesus being our Savior, we admit the fact that we are in desperate need of being saved. I can remember when I was a child one time, I'd gone out into the deep water at this public pool called the Okina Pool. And I was way in over my head. And it was out in the deep end. And I didn't think that I'd be able to make it back and all of a sudden I didn't know but somebody had jumped in and they came over one of the lifeguards saw me struggling and I didn't even know she had done that but she jumped in and pulled me over to safety I needed somebody to help me I needed saving and you know what that sweet lady understood that but I can remember when I was 18 years old I needed somebody to jump in and save me, I was messed up, and Jesus did that. He pulled me out of the miry clay, set my feet on a rock, and put a new song in my heart, changed the way I thought, changed the way I talked, changed the way I acted, and He is my Savior, and I love Him for it. He's the only Savior. He told his disciples the night before he died, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That means there's no salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, Peter said. Paul said there's only one God, there's only one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one way to God. If you know God, it's because you know him through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our savior. He makes us a new creation. It's not that we just try to do better. He comes into our hearts and from the inside out, he turns us into a new creation. Aren't you grateful that it's not just you trying to do better, but it is Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Jesus Christ makes you into a new person. That's being saved. Have you ever been saved? Let's talk about the Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Some people call Revelation chapter 12 the Christmas story in the book of Revelation because it's about the birth of Jesus Christ. You won't see a lot of the things. You won't see the shepherds. You won't see Bethlehem. You won't see the angels, but you will see the birth of our Savior, and you'll see it in a very unique way of how His birth and His life and His death and his resurrection defeated Satan, who is the accuser of all of us as Christians. First thing I want you to see is the ancestor of the Savior. Where did Jesus come from? Who is, if you will, please let me use this word, who is the progenitor? Who is the ancestor of Jesus Christ? Look at verses 1 and 2, and we see a great sign. Simeon mega, mega sign, a big sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Now, it's this kind of language that makes people say, I don't understand Revelation, so I don't read it. Well, I'm going to explain it to you today. Verse 2, she was with child, this woman was. She cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. Who was this woman? She's robed, clothed with the sun. What imagery is that? She is standing on top of the moon. The moon is under her feet, and she has 12 stars on a crown on her head. Well, she is the one from whom Jesus comes. So the Roman Catholics say, well, it's got to be the Virgin Mary. Well, it can't be, because this woman is going to be alive during the Great Tribulation. This woman, the devil is going to try to kill this woman, as we'll see in just a moment later on in Revelation 12. With all due respect, the Virgin Mary is in heaven with the Lord right now. She's not going to be going through the Great Tribulation. So with all due respect to my Roman Catholic friends, this is not the Virgin Mary. And then some people say, well, it's the church, the bride of Christ. That cannot be because the Bible doesn't say that Jesus comes from the church. The Bible says that the church comes from Jesus. So it's out of order. There's no way that this could be. The, the, the church doesn't give birth to Jesus. The church didn't invent or, or give out Jesus Jesus birthed the church. And so this can't be the church. So who is this? You ready? It's Israel. It's the nation of Israel. It's the Jewish people. They are the ones from which the Christ, the Messiah, came. Jesus' ancestor, if you will, is none other than the Jewish people, and that is the nation of Israel. And John when he saw this vision, John, as a 90, almost 95-year-old Jew, said, I know that imagery. You know why? He knew the Torah. He knew Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He knew the first five books of the Bible, and he knew in Genesis 37 that same imagery was right there. When Joseph had a dream that his relatives would bow down to him one day, we see the exact same imagery and is speaking about the whole nation of Israel, all the sons of Jacob. Look at on the screen at Genesis 37, 9 through 11. Now Joseph, he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, which means behold, I've had still another dream and behold, the sun." here it is now, and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. He related that to his father and to his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you've had, shall I? He knew that he was the son, Jacob did, whose name was changed to Israel. He knew he was the son there, the S-U-N. And he said, and your mother, she's the moon, and your brothers who are the stars, actually are going to come and bow ourselves down before you to the ground. His brothers were jealous of him. You'll remember later on they sold him as a slave to go to Egypt, but his father kept the saying in his mind. So here you have Jacob understanding he's the sun and understanding that the moon is Joseph's mother, Jacob's wife, and understands that the 11 stars are all of Joseph's brother. And so, when you put all that together, that represents the nation of Israel. And so, when this woman has that imagery behind her, she is obviously the Jewish people, the nation. And what did Paul say about the Jews? Paul said in Romans chapter 9, the greatest theological book ever written is the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, Paul says, the Messiah is going to come from the Jews, from the nation of Israel. Listen to this. With Christ as my witness, Paul says, Romans chapter 9, I speak with utter truthfulness, my conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart's filled with bitter sorrow, unending grief for my people, the Jewish brothers, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I'd be willing. Now listen to this. This is a love for people right here. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Paul literally said, I would die and take their place and go to hell if the Jewish people would all be saved. Do you love lost people like that? I don't know that I love lost people like that. Would you go to hell if other people would be saved? Paul said, I'd go there. I would be forever cursed, cut off from Christ. They are the people, verse 4, of Israel chosen To be God's adopted children, God revealed His glory to them. He made covenants with them. He gave His law to them. He gave them the privilege of worshiping Him and receiving His wonderful promises. Now look at verse 5, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. Now watch. And Christ Himself was an Israelite as far as His human nature is concerned. And He, Christ, is God the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Jesus, Paul said, the Messiah is Jewish. Jesus himself said salvation comes from the Jews. He said that to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman that had been married five times and she was living with a man at the time that she wasn't married with. Jesus said in John four twenty two, you, talking about the Samaritans, You people worship what you don't know, but we, talking about the Jews, worship what we know for salvation is or comes from the Jews. So the ancestor of Jesus the Savior is Israel. Keep that in mind. Secondly, we see not only the ancestor of the Savior, but the adversary of the Savior. Now look at verses 3 and 4, and we see. This ominous figure, a red dragon. Who in the world is that? Verse three. Then another sign, this is the second one that he saw in a row, appeared in heaven. Behold, anytime you see the word behold, there it means God is about to pronounce something that is very important. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads, ten horns, and his heads were seven on his head heads were seven diadems. Now who is this great dragon? red dragon. Well, it's got to be none other than Satan himself, the devil. We're looking now at the devil. And notice the Bible says he is a great dragon. He is powerful. Now, he's he's not omnipotent. God alone is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. The devil is not all-powerful, but he is powerful. He's more powerful than you, and he's more powerful than me, but he's not more powerful than Jesus, all right? He is also the great red dragon. He sheds much blood, and he has seven heads, and on every one of those heads is a diadem. He has a counterfeit, he has an illegitimate kingdom, and he is a counterfeit king over an illegitimate kingdom. He has taken the new this, this world, this evil world system, and he has claimed it ever since Adam and Eve Sin, like we talked about last week, and sin came into the world. The devil is now the God with a little g, the king with a little k over this world. And Jesus had defeated him on the cross and at the resurrection. And when he comes back the second time, he's going to defeat him and take the earth back. He's going to throw the devil into the pit, the bottomless pit, the abyss for a thousand years, reign on this earth for a thousand years as king of kings, and then he's going to burn this earth up and give us a brand new world. This one's so broken that we need a brand new one, and he's going to give us a brand new heaven and a brand new Jerusalem. Jesus Christ is Lord. The devil is not Lord. And The Bible says this devil, though, he did something in verse 4. His tail swept away one-third of the stars. That's the angels of heaven, and he threw them to the earth. The devil got so mad at God, he tried to take the throne of God. We read about that in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 and 5 through 15. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, O angel of the morning, son of the dawn. You've been cut down to the earth, you have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, Here's the devil's sin I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. Now watch, here it is, verse 14. Isaiah 14, verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and here's, here's, here's the sin. I will make myself like the most high. I want to take over the throne of God. And when he said that, God cast him out of heaven. Nevertheless, he says... You'll be thrust down to Sheol, that is the place of the dead, to the recesses of the pit. Now, Satan has been cast out, and it says he took one third of the angels with him. That's what the Bible means when it says that his, his tail with him, he, he took a, a third of the stars with him. Aren't you, you say, oh, that, does that mean that, that one third of all the angels are demons? We're, we're in trouble. Well, if I do math right, that means there's, there's two good angels for every one bad one. Amen? So we still are greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. But there are demons out there. Don't tell me there aren't. What do you think is causing so much destruction and so much division all over the world? Not just today. It's been going on forever. Where does evil come from? There's a devil, and the Bible says he's like a wild animal a roaring lion who prowls about, seeking someone to devour. 1 Peter 5, 8, he's on this earth, but he can also go back to heaven at the throne of God and accuse us before God. We'll see that just a moment in verse 10. Now look at verse 4 again. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, that is Israel that was about to give birth to the Messiah, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. When Israel was miraculously going to give birth through Mary to Jesus, Satan was there to kill the child. You remember there was no inn in Bethlehem. He had to be born with the animals. I believe that was one way he was trying to kill him. And then after that, through Herod, Satan murdered all the male babies of Bethlehem thinking that he would kill the Messiah. The devil tried to kill Jesus when he was just a baby, but God got him out of there. An angel gave a vision uh, in a dream to Joseph and Mary, and they left before Herod killed the baby boys there. But the devil hates Jesus. The devil hates Israel. The devil hates the followers of Jesus. The devil hates the Jews. He is a great red dragon. He sheds much blood. He is ruler over a counterfeit, he's a counterfeit king over an illegitimate kingdom and he is attempting to wreak havoc in this world. Some of you out there saying, I don't, don't hear all this stuff about the devil. I'm not mad at the devil. He's not my enemy. Let me tell you something. The moment you got saved, you made the devil mad. The devil in this evil world hates the Jesus in you. I've heard people say, I've had people say, I didn't do anything to the devil. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. The moment you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you did something to the devil. What you did was you said, I don't belong to this world anymore. I'm not part of your evil system anymore. I belong to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and I am part of the redeemed. And the devil said, then, I am your arch enemy. I am your adversary. Don't tell me you don't have an adversary. Jesus had an adversary. Don't tell me that you don't have an enemy. Jesus had an enemy. And if you follow Jesus, you have the same adversary of our Savior. Notice thirdly, the authority of our Savior. Look at verse 5. And she gave birth to a son, a male child. Israel gave birth to Jesus. The Messiah came from the Jews. Now the Jews nowadays, the ones that are conservative, They're still looking for the Messiah, but they're looking the wrong way. You know why? They're looking to the future. Don't look to the future for something that's already taken place. Jesus has already been born. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one that they need to look to. Jesus is their anointed one. And his birth is talked about here in verse 5. She gave birth to a son. It was a prophesied birth The Old Testament prophets prophesied that Jesus would be born. It was a pure birth. Why did Jesus have to be born of a virgin? Let me give you one little theological statement here. Please listen to what I'm about to say. A lot of people don't understand. What's the big deal about the virgin birth? Here's the big deal. Every one of you, including me, were all born with a sinful nature. Do you know why? Because our original father... Adam, sin. And the seed of Adam puts sin in all of us. If you are a human being, which you are, you are born. The minute of conception, the moment of conception, that seed of Adam brings sin. You are born with a propensity, and inclination toward being selfish. Don't tell me that's not true. If you, if you don't believe that, listen, in a few more weeks, Maybe a couple months we're going to start our nursery back and we'll be glad to let you keep those little toddlers and you'll see how selfish little children can be, all right? Now, I'm not putting down children. i got 15 grandbabies, but look at me. They've got the seed of Adam in them. But Jesus was not born of man. Jesus was born of a virgin. And somehow, miraculously, He did not receive that selfishness and that sinfulness. He was born of a virgin. How else could God be born? Jesus was born of a virgin free from a sinful nature, all right? He was, had a pure birth, and he's the only one ever to be born like that. He had a purposeful birth, birth. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. So here she gave birth to a son. And notice a male child who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Jesus is repeatedly called in the Bible King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, I told you earlier that this is somewhat of a Christmas text in the book of Revelation. Listen to these verses that we normally quote at Christmas time, and see if they don't tell you that Jesus will rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, very familiar text. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. Now, watch. And the government will rest on His shoulders. When I see our governments today in such a a state of disarray, aren't you glad that one of these days Jesus is going to be over all the government? Amen? Can I have an amen in the house of God? Amen. Thank the Lord for that. Now watch. And His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now here it is in verse 7 again. There will be no end to the increase of His government or of peace on the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness. There's what everybody's looking for right there. Justice and righteousness. When is it going to happen? It won't be fully here. We can try for it all we want to. Every time we try to prop this broken world up, it collapses somewhere else. Every time we put it back up, it collapses somewhere else. It keeps falling down. You know why? It's fallen. It's broken at the root. But when Jesus comes back, praise God, there's going to be justice and real righteousness. When the righteous one comes back to this earth. The Bible says, from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts accomplishes this. Jesus is pictured in His second coming in Revelation 19, verse 15, as ruling with a rod of iron. It says, from His mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it He may strike down the nations, and He will rule them with a rod of iron, and He treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. One of the greatest statements of Jesus in all of Paul's epistles talks about the fact that everybody's going to bow down to Jesus one of these days. Everybody is. Every knee is going to bow. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. For this reason also God highly exalted Jesus, him, and bestowed on him the name, not a name, but the name, which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everybody's going to bow one of these days, even the devil, even Hitler, even Mao Zedong, all the communists. Everybody, Everybody's going to bow, and they're all going to say Jesus Christ is Lord. They're not going to say Muhammad is Lord. They're not going to say Buddha is Lord. They're not going to say Allah is Lord. They're going to say Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Friend, our world is divided, but He will rule mankind with a rod of iron. King of kings. Verse 5, and she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was then caught up to God and to His throne. All we have here is the birth of Jesus And the ascension of Jesus and those are the two bookmarks of his whole earthly ministry in the meantime there was this beautiful sinless life a sacrificial death and then a bodily resurrection and then an ascension back to heaven but in those two things he just said this Jesus who was born and did all this other and then ascended back to heaven this is the one who's going to rule with a rod of iron oh he is our high priest And he has ascended back to heaven. Have you ever wondered what he's doing right now? Well, the Bible says he's preparing heaven. He's preparing heaven for those of you who know the Lord. He's building you a mansion. Amen. He's building you a house. He's pardoning lost people. But guess what? He's also getting ready to come back. But he's sitting right now at the right hand of God. Hebrews 10, 12 and 13 says, But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time, Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And what's he doing? There he waits until his enemies are going to be humbled and made a footstool under his feet. Praise his glorious name. Satan does not have all authority. Jesus has all authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Republicans don't have all authority. Democrats don't have all authority. Presidents don't have all authority. Whites, blacks, Latinos, nobody has all authority. No nation has all authority, but praise His holy name, King Jesus has all authority. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is our Lord. The ancestor of the Savior, Israel, The adversary of the Savior, Satan. The authority of the Savior, Jesus alone has all authority. And one more thing notice the assignment of the Savior. What is Jesus going to do during the Great Tribulation that shows us that he is a Savior? Here it is. Number one, he's going to rout Satan. Now, I told you earlier that before Adam and Eve even existed, the devil rebelled in heaven and God kicked him out. But we know how many of you have ever read the book of Job? Does anybody know the book of Job? I led a guy to Christ one time, true story. He came to me the first week. He said, Brother Steve, I I just don't understand this book of Job. (laughs) I said, well, it's Job. (laughs) It's Job. Let's talk about it. And if you read the book of Job, read the book of Job, the devil is constantly coming to God and saying, he's accusing Job. Job was a sinner. He accused Job. He said, ah, if you do this he'll curse you to your face. You take this away from him, he'll curse you to his face. And so the devil had access to the throne of God even though he had been thrown down to the world. But there's coming a day in the great tribulation where the devil is going to be thrown down and he'll never have access back to heaven again. Now in verses 3 and 4, we read about That first time when he was thrown down, and yet he still has access. Let me read it one more time. Another sign, this is verses 3 and 4 in chapter 12, appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns. On his heads were seven diadems. His tail swept away a third of the stars. That's a third of the angels became demons of heaven, and they threw them down to the earth. That's the first time. But we're about to read, beginning in verse 6, of the second time, and it's going to be during the great tribulation, that God's going to throw Satan down and he will never have access to heaven again. And I want you to see what happens. Look at verse 6. Then the woman fled into the wilderness. That is, Israel fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. That number just means three and a half years. For three and a half years. The last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, this woman Israel will be protected and nourished and cared for as she flees into the wilderness. God's going to take care of her. We don't know where, but God will protect the remnant of Israel. Meanwhile, a war is going to break out in heaven, and God will kick Satan and all the demons out of heaven Permanent. Look at verse 7, there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. When Satan could not defeat Jesus during his earthly ministry, he turned against and waged war against heaven. That was a very unwise thing to do because John saw the archangel, Michael, and all of his angelic forces waging war in heaven, and they defeated Satan and his demons. The prophet Daniel had prophesied that that would happen. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of of your people, Michael is the archangel over the nation of Israel, over the Jews. And he said, he's going to arise and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. He's prophesying, Daniel is, hundreds and thousands of years before the great tribulation. He's talking about the great tribulation. And at that time, your people, that's the Jews, everyone who's found written in the book will be rescued. That's why. Now look, I want to preface this. This is not a political statement. Okay? This is a bible statement. You don't mess with the nation of Israel. You don't do it. Because Michael the angel, the archangel has an army and anybody that messes with Israel messes with Michael and look at me, you can't win. Can't win. That's why America had better stay On Israel's side, when any nation fights them, it's a bad idea. Michael's coming after you. The last thing any nation, U.S. included, needs to do is go against the armies of the archangel Michael. Verse 8. And I don't want any letters about that. You understood what I said. I said a spiritual truth. I'm not being political there. So, all right, don't do that. Verse 8. And they were not strong enough. And there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. Satan and his demons weren't strong enough to defeat Michael and his angels. Don't ever forget that. Aren't you glad that greater is Jesus who is in us than he that is in the world? The devil doesn't win. Satan's army is never stronger than God's army. Now I want to give you a little lesson. This is not part of the real sermon, but this is something I don't know else how else or when else to tell you this. I came across, look at verse 8. Everybody look at verse 8. There was no longer a place. Everybody say place. place. Found for them in heaven. The Greek word for place is topos. It's where we get the word topography. It means ground, foothold, territory. When you read this verse over in Ephesians 4, 27, the New American Standard, it gives the worst translation I've ever seen. It says, don't give the devil and opportunity. Opportunity? Who translated that? Give me his address. I'll tell him he messed up. That's not what the word means. It's the word topos, terrible. It doesn't mean opportunity. The NIV and the King James nail it. The NIV says, do not give the devil a foothold. He's talking about topography. King James nails it. Neither give him place to the devil. You and I as Christians, are not supposed to give the devil a foothold in our lives. Did you hear what I just said? Now, this is look, this is not part of the sermon. This is where I'm going to mess with you some, all right? Look at me now. Everybody in here who's saved, you're on your way to heaven. But look at me. Don't tell me the devil can't harass you. The devil harassed Jesus. The devil harassed Paul and Peter. Who do you think you are? And here's how you get, look at me, you give him ground when you live in unconfessed, unforsaken of sin. Some of y'all got some sin in your life. You say, well, it's just a little sin. Look at me, there's no such thing. That's like saying, well, it's just a little rattlesnake. Let me tell you something, it'll still kill you, all right? I don't care what sin it is. You can't continue to live like that. You can't give ground to the devil as a Christian, without the devil wreaking havoc. I've talked to men before who've been hooked on pornography. Well, Brother Steve, I'm not doing anything to my family. I'm not harming them. Yes, you are. You're opening a door to the devil, and you're saying, come on in. Destroy my marriage. Destroy me. Destroy my children. Come on in. When you live in sin, when you have unconfessed, unforsaken sin. It's like you give topography. You give a foothold to the devil. Dr. Rogers wrote a little booklet on this called Spiritual Warfare. It's in our bookstore. Get it. One of the best things you'll ever pick up. But I want to say this to you. If you're living like that, and you're wondering why you can't have victory, you can't move forward, it's because God is not going to let you grow in grace and go on with God until you deal with that sin in your life, and you say, God, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, but I have opened the door, and I'm letting the devil harass me, I'm letting him have a a stronghold in my life, I've given him Topas. I've given him a place, a stronghold, a foot place in my life. And I, I Lord, I, I don't want that anymore. You say, oh, how do I get out of it, Brother Steve? Confess it and forsake it and say, Lord Jesus, I repent of whatever sin it is. And then you say, Lord, I take that ground back in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. You are Lord over my life, and I don't give the devil any of that anymore. I take that back in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you will do this, you will start walking in victory. Listen to me. There are a lot of Christians that would just start growing like, I mean, just growing like crazy, it's because you have unconfessed, unrepented of sin in your life, and you've got a stronghold in your life. Get rid of that stuff today and go on with God. Don't give the devil any ground in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let me get back to preaching, all right? Let me get back to preaching, all right. Verse 9, And the great dragon was thrown down. Hallelujah. The serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Again, this happens in the middle of the great tri- tribulation. The first assignment of Jesus, our Savior, he's going to rout Satan. Notice the second thing he's going to do, the next assignment, he's, he's going to redeem Christians. Look at verses 10 and 11. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Boy, that's some majestic language. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down and who accuses them before our God day and night. Now, I want to take a poll and I just want to tell you something. The right answer is yes, all right? I'm going to give you you a little clue. The right answer to the question is yes. And I'm going to tell you already, I'm going to raise my hands, both of them. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. But if, if, if you don't want to tell the truth, just keep your hands down, okay? All right. You ready for the question? How many of you, this is on the other side of what I was talking about a while ago. How many of you have confessed something that you did that was wrong? Some sin, it might have been, you know, that you got drunk or maybe you ate too much, or maybe you talked about somebody, or maybe you were involved in some kind of immorality, whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. Just think of any sin you want to. But you really repented, and you asked God to forgive you, and you know that He did. How many of you that's happened to you? Anybody out there? All right. But, okay, now, how many of you, second question. I'm still going to raise my hands. You should too. All right, here we go. How many of you later on, have felt just this condemnation and this guilt, even though you've repented of it, it's like somebody's reminding you of it. Raise your hand. Anybody out there? Look at me. That's the devil. That's not God. That's the devil. That's not God. You've got to learn to discern between Holy Spirit conviction and demonic oppression, all right? condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Once God forgives you, it's over. God, imagine me going to Grant Gaines. He's preaching three times this morning in Murfreesboro. But I remember when he was developing his testimony. Amen? (laughs) What if I go up to him and I say, son, you remember what you did 20 years ago? I'm just going to take my belt off and whip you. Number one, That wouldn't work, all right? He'd beat the tar out of me, all right? But what good daddy would whip somebody for something they did 20 years ago when they had repented of it? If you then, being evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will God give good things to His children? God's forgiven you. Look, it's gone. Forget it. And when you feel that condemnation, it's the accuser of the brethren. The devil literally goes before God and said, oh, remember what he did 20 years ago? Remember what she did 30 years ago? Remember what they did the other day? He's a prosecuting attorney. But aren't you glad we've got the best defense attorney there is, Jesus Christ. He stands up. Yes, but he is covered by my blood. Yes, but he is covered by my righteousness. Yes, but she is born again. Yes, she's repentant of that. Devil, you have no standing here before the throne of God. That may not get you excited, but it does me. God has redeemed his Christians, and they overcame. One of the best verses in the whole Bible, verse 11. You ought to memorize it. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. How are you going to overcome the devil? By the blood of the Lord Jesus and just say, my sin is under the blood. You can't touch me, devil. I've got a testimony, the word of my testimony. I've been born again. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was in darkness, but now I'm walking in light. And once I was following you, but now I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a testimony. And you know what? I've gotten so in love with Jesus, I want to be with Him. And I don't even love my life anymore. It's not that I'm looking forward to dying, but I'm not afraid of dying. And if you were to kill me, all it would be would be momentary pain and then absent from this body and present with the Lord. That's not a bad gig, is it? All right. So let's just don't be afraid of death. And let's defeat the devil with the blood of Jesus, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives even unto death. That's how we walk with victory. That's how Jesus has redeemed his Christians. Hallelujah. And then one more thing. And don't forget what I'm about to say here. Jesus is going to rescue Israel. Look at verse 12. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he only has a short time. The devil's going to fall to this earth. He's going to get up. He's going to collect his senses. Realize he's got three and a half years before he is thrown into the bottomless pit. And so he is going to wreak havoc on this earth. And he's going after the Jews and anybody that loves Jesus. And the Bible says that when the dragon saw, verse 13, that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman, that is Israel, who gave birth to the male child. But the two wings of the great eagle, this is protection from God, were given to the woman, that is to Israel, so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time. That's three and a half years from the presence of the serpent. God is going to supernaturally protect Israel during that time. And the serpent poured water like a river out out of his mouth after the woman, after Israel, so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood but the earth helped the woman, that is, helped Israel, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured, the devil poured out of his mouth trying to destroy Israel. Now look at verse 17, and we'll be through. So the dragon was enraged with the woman. He was enraged with Israel. He hates Israel. He hates the Jews and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments. Now this is Christians now who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Je- of Jesus Just like Jesus came from the Jews, the gospel came from the Jews, and listen to me, God is going to protect us all in the great tribulation when Jesus Christ is protecting his beloved remnant. I just want to say this to you. I'm so grateful for our great Savior, aren't you? Let's thank him right now for being a great Savior. Amen. You know, the, you know the hardest thing for me, you know the hardest thing for a preacher? I study this stuff all week long. <laughs> and I get in here and I say, man, I wish I could tell them this. I wish I could tell them. But you know, we're, we're under time constraints. So I get that. I believe heaven, God's going to have one corner over there for a preacher to preach as long as he wants there to be a bunch of people to listen. Amen? <laughs> Wouldn't that be heaven? <laughs> I got more stuff, but I'm out of time. I was out of time three minutes ago. All right. But I'm telling you, I thank God for my Savior, don't you? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you so much for Jesus, our Savior. We thank you so much for salvation that we are new creations in Christ. <clears throat> With our heads bowed, if you don't know the Lord, I want you to receive him right now. What in the world are you waiting on? What do you think this world has to offer? This world is full. Filled with rebellious sinfulness and hatred and division. Why do you want this world? You're not going to be here that long anyway. You're going to be eternally in heaven or hell based on what you do with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Give Him your life. He'll take you, change you, make you a brand new person. Change you from the inside out. You'll walk differently, talk differently, live differently, think differently. You can be a new creation. You can't do it by yourself. I'm not talking about self-reform. I'm talking about being born again. And if you'll repent of your sin and trust Christ to save you. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead to give you eternal life. He will give you eternal life if you'll repent. Would you do that today? If you would, I'm just going to ask you. I want to lead you in a prayer just like I would lead a young man, a young woman in their wedding vows. If you would pray to receive Christ, do it now. There in the balcony on this main floor. You don't have to distance from Jesus, I'll tell you that. He'll come right into your heart. If you'll open up your life to him right now. Pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you are the only Savior. I repent. I turn from my sin. I turn to you, Lord Jesus, because you're the only Savior. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. You paid my sin debt. All of my sins have been paid for. I acknowledge that and thank you for that. And I receive that forgiveness right now and I believe you rose from the dead I believe you're alive I serve a risen Savior and I believe that you want me to be saved so I receive you right now I call on your name save me right now Lord Jesus Christ wash away all my sins forgive me Help me to live for you for the rest of my life. Oh God, make me a new creation in Christ. In Christ's name. Now with your heads bowed, we'll rejoice with you momentarily. But I cannot leave you out there. Some of you want to be free from some of those strongholds right now. It may be a stronghold of gossiping. It may be a stronghold of of selfishness it may be a stronghold of immorality it may be a stronghold of anger it may be a stronghold of fear let's just take it to the lord right now to say lord jesus this is my stronghold and you name it before god just tell him what it is you know what it is you don't have to think about that you know what it is could be unforgiveness You know what it is. Could be a love of money. You know what it is. Confess it. Dear God, I repent of this. I ask you to forgive me. And Lord, I take back all the ground, all the topos, all the footholds that I've given the devil. I take all that back and surrender all of my life to you. Jesus, I acknowledge that you are Lord over this area in my life. I give no ground to the devil, none. Bind him in Jesus' name and help me, fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me to walk with you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Let's thank the Lord for those who got saved and those who got some freedom, amen. Let's all stand up.